Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Sano, joined as always by the Tales to my Sonic. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? Uh, gotta go fast. Yeah, and our very own Knuckles. That's right. He's got the sexy voice. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how are you doing? Man, I'm going to be the star of that very fine sequel that's coming. Did I'm you, feeling great. Did you see Idris Elba was like, I'm not going to do Knuckles with a sexy voice. It's like, bro, you're Idris Elba. That's... <laughs> It's not. Is he gonna not, do everything in falsetto? He doesn't have a choice in this. Yeah, I was just gonna say you can't make your voice not sexy, dude. You're still interested. Even his stupid is voice Elba is doing sexy. a Mickey Mouse voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what you're trying. You're saying something that doesn't make sense, Idris. It just doesn't work for me. Um, all right, so Seahawks played the Detroit Lions this week, and um, of course, the biggest storyline of the week for Seahawks Nest was finally our day in the sun. A long time listeners will know this is a this is a Phil Haynes fan cast at its heart. Okay, this is a this is a Phil Haynes fan cast. The beefiest of boys. Our boys. Of boys. He played so well. Phil Haynes history. He played went played at Wake Forest. They had a, a spectacular offensive line filled with large gentlemen that called themselves the Beefy Boys. We found this out in our draft research, and we're like, this is our dude. We love beefy boys and of course seahawks go ahead they get beefy boy phil haynes he comes to the team we 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 ask ourselves where's the beef you know they won't give us the beef uh but finally this week uh damian lewis okay kevin damian lewis he was ruled out was he was he benched was he hurt is he nursing an injury what's the damian lewis story here do you know um, so Damian Lewis, uh, is, he's been dealing with a bunch of nagging injuries for basically the back half of the season. Um, I also know that he ended up on the COVID-19 list at one point last week, I think Thursday. So I think it's kind of a multitude of issues. Like just kind of a, they kind of just gave him some, some resting vet. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm wondering if Damian Lewis is going to end up, uh, out for the rest of the season just so he can start taking care of some of those nagging injuries and also um yeah like i said he did have the covid test too so, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see damian lewis the rest of the season let's talk a little phil haynes though phil haynes was quite good in this game played uh 72 snaps looked really good allowed zero pressures looked good in the run game now of course we are playing the detroit lions which is like playing a triple a baseball team it's not they are not good they're extremely bad they play really hard because they have dan campbell but this week, their quarterback was Tim Boyle. I mean, it was... Uh, they, they play were, very hard because they're literally afraid of their head coach. Yeah, they play <laughs> really hard because they're afraid of their head coach and they want jobs next year. But uh, but man, it was they are not they are kind of a bloodbath. So I wouldn't read too much into this Phil Haynes performance. Um, I will say it is encouraging. Um, it does feel a little bit like he's on the George Fant career path. Um, no. Which is he... He uh he gets to develop as a Seahawk gets gets a couple injuries that kind of knock take away a few of his opportunities and then right when he, at the end of his Seahawks career has two great games which get him paid on the open market and uh, he becomes a Pro Bowler because it looks like Fant's going to make the Pro Bowl this year or at least play, he's playing Pro Bowl caliber football uh, for the he's on the Jets so maybe yeah. he won't uh, but but he's playing Pro Bowl caliber football for the Jets and uh, yeah that seems like what what. Uh, what uh sorry Haynes is doing for us which really sucks especially because I don't know if you guys know this Phil Haynes actually um he should be under contract for the Seahawks for one more year but the Seahawks cut him in a roster shuffle <laughs> and uh so now we don't we don't have those RFA rights for Phil Haynes anymore that's okay we do have $150,000 in dead cap so yeah we're dead we, cap we don't have him but we do have like the missing limb that you'll feel like is still there. 
it's that's it's rough. Uh, it's it's rough to see a guy finally come into his own. Um, we're seeing it on multiple fronts, though. It's not just Phil Haynes, Kevin. It's wait, your boy. Wait, 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 wait. Well, no, before that, I want to back my boy Haynes with one thing because okay. you mentioned the AAA baseball team that is the Detroit Lions, but the Detroit Lions have exactly two units that look like an NFL team. And that is their defensive line is respectable and their offensive line is respectable. And so anything that happened in the trenches, they at least had to face NFL level competition. And so I, yeah, I, I just want to underline that part is um, Phil Haynes performance here is against an actual functioning football team. The other thing is uh, to underline why this is uh, really annoying. Yeah. The dude's been around for a couple of years. Dude's 26. Like, this is entering the prime of your career as a lineman. I would rather this not be like a GR Sweezy situation where we end up Yuck. losing him when he's actually good and then getting him back kind of after he's over the hill. And so we just kind of end up absorbing the worst parts of his career. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of guys who are coming into their own, I'm going to use the same transition <laughs> coming into their <laughs> coming into their own right at the end of their Seahawks tenure to win a big contract. Rashad Penny. 25 rushing attempts, 170 yards, two touchdowns, 121 yards after contact, a ridiculous nine missed tackles forced, nine first downs, nine, four runs of 15 or more yards, 95 breakaway yards. Uh, just holy smokes. Yeah, wow. he's looked like a mix of uh, Marshawn Lynch and Sean Alexander, which is like the boiling it down of what you want from Seahawks running. So what do you backs. what do you guys love about the Rashad Penny experience in this game though? What do you what do you love? I have a big thing, but I want to give you guys the opportunity to talk first since I blabbled on about Phil Haynes for so long. So Kevin Eric, do you want to launch this yeah, and then yeah, I'll go as, into my my love poetry? Might as well, of course. Um really it's the one thing we heard about Rashad Penny coming out of college was that, you know, the only really positive thing is that he ran well in space. And we've seen that for the past few weeks. But he's also started to run with power, which is not something I thought we'd ever see from him, especially with all the injuries. Uh, he bounced off tackles. He got away from hey, contact. The announcer told us he's 220 pounds like 47 I, times. I know. Well, so, if you guys remember, if uh, our exceptional announcing crew was back for another week. Do you think they just stayed in Seattle the whole week since they the game was in <laughs> Seattle again? I think, think it, they just, I, I just I bet didn't even leave. Asked, I can I just, can we just stay? And then they said, no, you got to. No, we're not going to pay for your hotel. The, the plane said, couldn't. Oh. The plane couldn't leave because of the snow. So then, <laughs> so then Akib Talib was like, "Well, we're just staying, right?" And they're like, "Yeah, whatever, just just stay, I guess." So, but I don't want fish. Yeah. So uh, Rashad Penny. Um, uh, that's what I ended on. Basically, his power runs. His power runs are coming into focus. I, I don't know what he's going to do in the off season, and that's for another podcast. But man, uh, it, it sure is looking like a great draft choice four years after the fact. Yeah. All right. So the thing that stands out to me is the dude basically lost a season and a half to injury. He lost basically all of 2020, um, most of 2019 and part of 2018. So you would think lower body injuries running back. He finally is going to get back on the field and we're going to see what we saw with CJ Prosize, which is he just doesn't look like the same guy. Right. That's always the problem. You're going wear and tear on the lower body. He's going to look a step slower. Did he look a step slower to either of you guys? Mm -mm. Heck no. Dude look fast. Like uh, on the season, he has 10 runs of 15 or more yards. He's got 15 runs of 10 or more yards. Um, those are both uh, by percentage higher than 
um, his 2018 or 2019 seasons. Last two times he played a considerable amount. He has as many he has as many forced tackles this season as he did in about 150 carries in 2018 and 2019 combined. He has um, uh, one more yard after contact per attempt this year than he did in 2018 or 2019. He looks like a running back that is in the fourth year of his career and has been steadily getting better. Not like a guy who's been missing a significant number of snaps. Now, I understand the competition level in which he's been having these games is not super high, but having a dude that can dump truck a team to round out a game, like how many times have we been in situations like this where we end up having to throw all the way into the fourth quarter because we had no running game a couple years back Mm -hmm. and it lets the team back into it. Instead, we get to put the game on ice because Penny was able to just pound it down their throat and they couldn't do anything about it. So, yeah, it's been awesome to see. It's really nice to see uh, for a player who's for a guy who's just 25 years old, um, has had such horrendous injury luck. It's good to see him kind of be able to put things back into place. And with the way that the running backs market has been, I don't think he's going to get a huge contract. I don't think his production right now is pushing him out of our budget if we wanted to do that and if he yeah. wanted to come back. I expect him to get like 212. And so that means he'll either, you know, he'll net the Seahawks a fourth or fifth round compensatory pick or depending on how the, the running back market shakes out as a whole. Or we will uh, we'll be getting him back for like 212, which I wouldn't mind. We have a lot of cap room. So that's something that it wouldn't bother me. Okay, then. I'm going to say this, something about Rashad Penny. That I'm going to ta- I'm taking a totally different angle than either of you guys. And what I find so refreshing about him is his patience in the run game. It's yeah. something that it's something that I've missed since Sean Alexander, which is to have a runner who not only has like quick first step bursts, like once he decides to go, he's gone. And in the second level, he's a problem if he can get past the first level, but he's patient. He really waits for the hole to open up and then if, if this offensive line, if we can get an offensive line in front of him that is dominant or good, I mean, his patient running style is going to lead to many, many more 125-plus yard big style games like he just had. Um, because he's just he's able to, to, to wait, find the gap, and then once that gap is there, man, he's going to use his elite burst to to get through it. And I just I find that kind of um, kind of really, really fun so yeah i i'm uh, i'm excited about him I'm, that's I'm three super, takes man that's uh power super, speed and patience and everything you want to yeah. envision everything you want in a in a running back the way he's he really he would stop and then he would just burst through a hole right away that's i mean the thing amazing. that i think me and kevin have said for years and i think eric you've said it too is that it, the problem with penny has never been talent he is so good when he's on the field and even in the past we've seen it you know in in 20 uh in sorry in 20 19 you know he was averaging 5.7 yards per carry and it looked like he was really about to take off even in his rookie year he averaged five yards a carry if this guy can stay on the field he's dynamite but it's just he is not have the it's working with ivan or whatever it is yikes really i mean struggled. i would be more hopeful if ivan's out i'll just say that <laughs> he's really struggled to stay on the field and i really want to uh to stress that this is this is uh, it's tough. It's tough to 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 watch him go. It's tough that we didn't pick up the fifth year option when uh, he would be four point four million. And I think before the season, I would have said, eh, "I'm fifty fifty on that at best." 
Um, probably don't pick that up, but now it's like, ugh, we should have picked that up. Like 4.4 would be fine for next year. I'd be, I'd be just, I'd be feeling great about that, especially with Carson's neck injury. I do not feel like it's something that he's going to come back easily from. I know he's under contract for next year, but it does not feel like something where we're going to be like, oh yeah, Carson's back. No, like, that seems like a a really terrible end to Chris Carson's run as a Seahawk. Yeah, I, I think it's just end to his career. I think that you don't mess around with neck injuries and clear. Doctors don't want guys with bad neck injuries to get cleared. And by the time he's able to, you know, be back enough to get cleared by doctors, he might be like 30 years old. You know what I mean? And 30 years old in the NFL running backs is like, you might as well be dead. Yep. (laughs) Right. Especially Um, when he injuries are not new for him. Like he's had a, he's had a steady diet of injuries as well. So I think counting on anything from Carson in next season is um, that's, that's poor roster construction. If you're expecting any Carson, anything. All right. We got to talk Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson. It's week 17. The Seahawks are eliminated from the playoffs. Why now are you keeping on designed runs, scrambling for first downs and using the short and intermediate parts of the field to move the chains? Nathan, what, (laughs) what took you so Freaking Nathan, long. If you can't handle him at his worst, you don't deserve him at his best. <laughs> you had all these weeks that you thought you were going to win, and you just can't let these plays sit around for next year. You got to come up with new plays for next year that we won't use, and so you just got to use what's in the playbook. Yeah. All right. Well, Russell Wilson was really good in this game, and he did. He ran the Shane Waldron offense. And the other thing too that makes me mad is I think I've said a thousand times this year, "Hey, what? A, why don't we stop with the Gerald Everett sweep? Why is that a play in the playbook? Let's run some of the other wide receivers that are actually fast." And then of course, here's Tyler Tyler Lockett coming around on the end arounds. Uh, I think Dude, that lock three was great. The three three rushes for for Lockett for twenty four yards and a touchdown. He was awesome on the sweep. Where was that all year? Like, or no, 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 no. That was receiving. Rushing. That's D right. had one rush for 30. DK had one for six. And then Lockett Lock, had the seven had one yard for, for a touchdown. Yeah. And it's like, these guys can run, man. Just like, let these guys, let other people, let other people run. All of them have return skills. We know if they can get sprung in the open field, they can take one to the house. Stupid. I'm so sick. Of, I'm, I'm so sick of what we did this year. It was just, I think like... The worst part is that the Seahawks team had enough talent to be a playoff team, and they they beat themselves a lot. Yep, they beat especially on the offensive side of the ball, on the yeah, defensive side oh, of the yeah. ball. If maybe you look the, at DVOA, we are a playoff team, right? Fringe playoff team. It's a very generous. We're right is, there with the Chargers, Philly, New are Orleans. We like, we're, are we're we like sixteenth or something. Twelfth. Oh, we moved up a lot by beating the brakes off the Lions because we were like fourteenth or fifteenth last week. Fifteenth, yeah, we were fifteenth last week. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, like that's another thing too is, is these teams we're in there with. Okay, let's let's read these the name of teams that yep. from uh, from eleventh down: Chargers, Eagles, Saints, Browns, Vikings. These are all teams that we're relatively close we'll to. Still say second place was Arizona, who's been on a tremendous collapse. So yeah, that's still not even that great. I was gonna say these teams all suck. Now, the thing that they have in common is like, yeah, some of these teams have winning records, but and like reasonably, we should be, you know, yeah, we should be in the hunt for like the last playoff spot. That's our talent level. Is that a good place to be? No, <laughs> it's no, not. That's the place we've been the last worse. couple seasons. We just it's not a variance. Yeah, as I was gonna say, if you're if you're losing a bunch of one score games away from being just like completely decimated, like the Seahawks have been this year, uh, you're not good. You're you're bad. So yeah, we're 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 a middle of the pack team, and it's it's put the team at a crossroads. You know, they should we should we completely tear it down to the studs and rebuild? I think there's merit to that. 
Should we just retool a little bit and run it back? I think there's merit to that approach as well. I'm not going to say I know the right answer. I prefer because I don't like the uh, uncertainty of draft picks that they would try to figure it out with a lot of the same guys that we have now. But I do think that if someone else is saying like, hey, tear it down to the studs, let's get some draft picks, maybe take away GM powers from Pete Carroll and, and do it that way, that is perfectly valid there there's there is a lot of um there's a lot of merit to that because you know there's a lot of different ways to build a a contender and i don't what what i don't want to see them do is take some weird middle path okay where like uh you know oh they 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 got rid of one guy you know oh pete carroll is gonna uh, semi-retire and and we're bringing in a coach and then uh, oh, and we're just going to have, you know, like I, oh, we're going to spend our cap what, this, the way we have in the past. You know, we're going to get a bunch of mid-range guys. Like, I don't want to see that. Like, if you're going to retool, retool. Get the three best players you can on free agency. Go get Teron Armstead. Like, make make a serious effort to show me that, like, this is a real, this is a real retool. This ain't, this ain't the, the you know, oh, we're running it back kind of in the, oh, it's, I don't do that. Okay. Be serious about, okay, if we're retooling, we're a contender, act like a contender, go get really good football players. Tell them they don't have to pay say, uh, income tax if they live in Washington. Like, like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like sell, sell Seattle the, the right way. So I don't, that's kind of where I'm at on that. All right. Uh, any other offensive notes before we move over to the defense boys? Nothing. Nothing. Kevin, you got the offensive tidbit for us? I mean, you know, there's a few cool things. Uh, I thought that I thought the big thing is, and yes, you could say it's because we were playing against Detroit, but I really did think the play calling was um, was improved, both in the sense of the plays that were called in sequence, as well as the way that Russell Wilson was using them. Um, Like the long pass to Swain, the setup to that long pass to Freddie Swain was um, the boot action that Russ was doing. So there was a lot of play action where the running back would go into the flats in part of a flood route concept on boot action. And we did it to both sides of the field, which is pretty cool because usually Russ only boots left and we had booting left and booting right. And we saw Everett take a uh, like five yard pass from that. We saw a couple other like five to 10 yard passes from that. We saw Russ dumping it off to the running back um, and picking up like three or four yards. And one of his scrambles was on a play like that. All of that set up a situation where um, on the flood concept, they had to cover everybody on that side of the field, a hundred percent. And that increases the odds that somebody ends up getting lost in the shuffle. And we had a player collapse down on Rashad Penny in the flats, responding to that route on the flood concept. And it left Swain sitting wide open, like 15 yards downfield. There are a number of plays that are like that. Um, the locket jet sweep for the touchdown. That was a situation where that jet action had been used over and over and over again, and they never would hand it off for most of the season. Suddenly you hand it off. And not only does that jet action in the future, pull the defender down because they have to respect it. But at the exact same time, you took advantage of the fact that they haven't been respecting it in order to get the touchdown. Like the play calling made sense. Um, plays set up other plays and in a way that we frustratingly have not seen. The other thing was uh, Russ was 
really good against the blitz. He was six for nine for 56 yards, two touchdowns. He had um, the long pass to Tyler Lockett on the sideline on third down on a third and six where uh, they brought an extra guy. There was the uh, the zero blitz um, with the touchdown pass to DK in the end zone where Russ just backpedaled and flipped it right over the defenders for an easy touchdown in the middle of the end zone to DK. Like these are all the offense humming, but also I think it's a result of play calling that is sequential and makes sense. Um, Whether it's Shane Waldron kind of finding his feet as a play caller, or if it's Pete kind of taking his hand out of the cookie jar and letting Waldron be an offensive coordinator, whatever's going on there. I do think that that is a good sign. And I'm really interested in seeing how much that holds over against an Arizona defense that is better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think like I, like I said before, it's, 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 it's interesting to see the, the offense finally run the way we expected, but not one time this year until week 17. Right. I, it's like, I got to put I, that on the lions. There's, this is what expected no we expected it to look like though. This it's jet sweeps and intermediate throws and getting guys open in space and this is kind and, of what we expected it to look like last week too, though. So And it didn't. And <laughs> that's the thing. It's it's something that should have happened sooner. And I think that's because we played better teams. It's not like other teams didn't know what we were going to do all season. They planned against it and we couldn't I hate the out coach term, but we we couldn't match their veracity. And so now against the Lions, uh, arguably the worst team there. Yeah, absolutely, Kevin. And it's just it's a shame, though, because we're sitting here talking about this is awesome. And we saw glimpses of it early in the season. But I'm just I'm just shaking my head at this game. Like, yeah, it looked great. What could have been what should have been? Well, and Nathan, you brought it up in the uh, the chat. What this really is, is it's damning about Geno Smith. Because if we didn't feel like we could run the offense and we felt like we had to rush Russell Wilson back from injury, we've had Geno on the roster for multiple seasons and done nothing if, to really do anything about the backup quarterback position. We could have traded a dirt round you, pick and had Gardner Minshew. You you don't think that having uh, Alex Magoo come in for comp- competition is doing something about it, Kevin? You don't feel that way? You know, I um, like players that can see. So, we all okay. know Magoo has very terrible vision uh the thing the problem with yeah i have with geno smith is that like you know what you have here if it was not good enough to keep your team afloat uh, with a russell injury like because the thing is is ideally in this situation we have a backup who can go two and four over six games and russ has six weeks to get better instead we had a guy who went oh and four well no one One and three. three He beat the Jags. I don't even count that as a win. He went one and three and was probably going to lose the next two games. So he's going to go one and five. Uh, you know, you want a guy that can give you a chance to go 500. And I just don't feel like Geno Smith's that guy. And the worst part is, is that like he had chances to win multiple games there. And we saw what he was like on the final drive of a game. It really was Geno Smith to the, to the max. Yeah. I um, think it was telling that when we needed Geno to step up, that was when he collapsed. So, not only like so I, I think I think not only did we not believe in him, but I think the coaching staff didn't. They tried to make it as easy as possible for him. And when they removed the scaffolding, he collapsed. Yeah. So okay. Let's um let's go with uh next up defense. Okay. The defense was was good, but Eric, I'm gonna give you a shot because your boy got a chance. 
uh, one game into the, one one snap into the game. Bobby Wagner goes down. Yeah, he he dropped into coverage, got targeted, gave gave up a reception. Of course, uh, it was Did very the splits C- trying to tackle. It was a very Seahawks play, to be honest with you. And that Bobby didn't do anything wrong on this play or anything. It's just this is what the Seahawks defense looks like. Uh, and then uh, he leaves the game, and uh, it looks like he's going to be completely fine. But next year, uh, it's gonna he's gonna be back. He's not coming back this year. So your boy. Cody Barton gets into the game. Eric, what'd you think? Yeah, I thought Cody Barton looked pretty, pretty decent in his limited play. You're being, you're being too nice Eric. You're just trying to be modest because you're, I'm... he's your, he's your guy, <laughs> but he was really good. He was, he was, he was really good. I, it's, I'm sorry. I have to temper everything I say because we played the lions and he yeah, still gets Kevin, a little lost in coverage. Yeah. Kevin did say that, you know, they do have some, some capable players and it is an NFL team and they may not be the worst team in football because there's still the Jags out there, but um, I would say the Jags are worse because they don't have a the coach that the Lions have. But uh, Barton, honestly, stepping in, I would say a game only because it's it's a game you kind of had to you had to work with Jordan Brooks. You had to kind of take over the position for the for the you know uh, most part of the game for the majority, and you shined. You shined really well. Like Kevin said, he does still get lost in coverage, but that's something that could and come was- later. He was targeted six times in this game, only gave up two receptions, and he had a nice pass breakup. Like I, I thought he was fine in coverage in in the past, yes, but this in this particular game, I thought he looked. I thought he did everything. No, he, got he a, did. He did. He, he really got a did. pressure. He had five run stops. He looked decent in coverage. Like he, I thought he looked better than uh, Brooks. Had a good game too, but I thought he looked even better than Brooks. Like, no, and Cody Barton. I, oh, you thought he looked better than Brooks, huh? I don't know. Cody Barton had a had a, uh, a great game against the lions. So it doesn't, it, a great right. game it, against it barely, the lions it barely also, counts. <laughs> it's the we'll next week. He had a great, great game this week, but he didn't really have chances all season. Like, when are you going to put him on? When are you going to yeah. put Cody Barton in? So this was his only shot. Maybe he can do it. I don't, I don't know about Bobby. I don't know what he's going to do next year. We're really stretching the cornerback depth. And I want to say like John Reed, Michael Jackson held up pretty good against, you know, lions receivers who are, the, other than on Monra St. Brown are pretty, pretty bad. Uh, and Reed, uh, DJ Reed kind of followed St. Brown around a lot and, and tried to, they definitely noticed when DJ Reed was not on Brown because <laughs> yes. the, they went, they went straight. <laughs> as soon as Amon Ross St. Brown is on someone other than DJ Reed, it was like Tim Boyle had laser eyes on him. Just like, <laughs> like, here, let me give you the ball. So that's not good. That's yeah. Not they good. even but put D- him in the backfield just to make it. So DJ Reed was less likely to be covering him. Yeah, it's they they're doing they were doing stuff to uh to try to get St. Brown the ball and they should. He's their he's their best he was their best player in this game. By uh, far. By by far. But yeah, like when Bro- Brooks and Amadi were on St. Brown, they were just Boyle's just like, Oh, that's a free square. Dunlap covered him on a play that where they we gave up a first down. Do you guys remember that one? Oh, um, I was that no. if you were in the uh, there was a few of you guys in the Discord with me watching the game because I watched the whole game in the Discord with the fam. And uh man. I was just like pissed every time they they were dropping uh, defensive linemen. Hyder dropped into coverage twice. Yeah, let's go uh, do the annual report. So five poop. for Mayoa, two for Hyder, one for A Rob, one for Rasheem, one for Daryl Taylor, <laughs> one for Bobby Wagner. No, one for Bobby Wagner's fine. That's an okay one. <laughs> <laughs> one for Carlos Dunlap. One for Dunlap. The Dunlap one was bad too. He got targeted immediately. Dunlap only plays 15 snaps again. I don't know what they're doing with him. I just, at this point, I'm like, I'm kind of done with the way they're using Carl Summer. I don't know if they just like, 
know the season is over and he's good. So they're like, whatever, just kind of save him for next year. Make sure the old man don't get hurt. And we can Since he did the same thing, though, maybe he's just a big jerk. I don't know. He doesn't seem <laughs> like it, but man, oh, he seems cool. <laughs> yeah, he seems like a really good dude, but coaches sure don't seem to think so because it's... they're just giving him no love. <laughs> Yeah, his snap counts are so low. Like he's gonna finish the season with like less than five hundred snaps, which is absurd for a player that of his talent level. And he's the thing is, on less than five hundred snaps, he's gonna end up with like nine or ten sacks because he's gonna get one next week. So yeah, it's super weird. Don't understand it. Um, I, I don't want to talk too much about the defense because honestly, they rolled out Tim Boyle as their quarterback. And <laughs> do you guys want some? Do you guys want some Tim Boyle facts? I want to yeah, hear some. Let's do it. Let's, do, let's hear about his uh, uh, his college career. Okay, so Tim Boyle goes to the University of uh, Connecticut. Okay, he plays at the University football program. He plays at the University of Connecticut for his freshman, sophomore, and junior year. He attempts 275 passes for a 48.4 completion percentage, one touchdown versus 13 interceptions. So you're like, oh, that's pretty bad. So he transfers. He hasn't he hasn't had enough. He's gonna go to Eastern Kentucky. Powerhouse. They granted him a, a transfer. Powerhouse of the Division Two Ohio. Oh no, no, they're in the FCS. Division One FCS. So this is like Division One AA. Uh <laughs> Were you gonna tell me Tim Boyle wasn't an FCS kay. quarterback? So so he was well when he was at UConn. But then so he transfers to Eastern Kentucky. <laughs> he sits out a year. 2017, he plays for Eastern Kentucky. He goes eleven touchdowns versus thirteen interceptions. He's dude, dude, not. <laughs> he's got that thirteen interceptions figured out. If he's he not even touchdown number up high enough. It wouldn't hey matter. Man, he he's was. not even good there. So what happens is he goes. He tries out for the NFL. He does all this stuff. He ends up as an undrafted free agent for the Packers because Aaron Rodgers liked him in the interview. So he ends up on the Packers practice they squad. Mud together. The master of trolling does he, it again. He, Aaron Rodgers did his own research on Tim Boyle's draft stock. <laughs> so he's the third string quarterback for them. He he ends up like getting a little bit of professional playing time by taking a knee. And uh, he throws like a, an NFL pass to Tunyon and goes like three of four in a game. And he was a restricted free agent and didn't get tendered. Surprise of the century there. Uh, because you know what? At this point, Tim Boyle has never been good. <laughs> He's, no. he's, he's never been good. So then the Lions bring him in this year. And it's for the similar reasons. They know he's good in the film room and they want him to work with Goff, a oh notorious gosh. guy who's not great in the film room, like good at everything else, but not good in the film room. Like that's got kind of Goff's reputation. And Boyle so, has a really loud voice and they're like, you just yell all the calls so, from the sideline to him. So I think like their plan is, you know, okay, we'll keep him in the film with Goff. Goff will play better than he might have, and we'll see what happens. And of course, you know, Goff gets COVID, and, and uh, now he's uh, he's sidelined. And of course, here's Tim Boyle coming into the game to play now. And of course, he has three times more interceptions and touchdowns because that's what Tim Boyle does. Okay, college <laughs> pros, it don't matter. He got three times more t- interceptions and touchdowns. So, so how I many don't interceptions know. is that on the year for him? I don't know. I think he has like. Oh, he, did he have any in this game? I don't know. He was one. He threw touch three interceptions in this yeah. game. Oh, yeah. So he's six versus versus three or three versus six now. Yeah. So. All right. So he only has he'll throw seven interceptions next week. Count it. Yeah. He's a 13 <laughs> interception machine. Oh, man. And But I just think it's amazing how this guy has continued to stand. Like, he wakes like, up, rolls out of bed should, and throws 13 picks. Kevin, he's not going to get to 13 interceptions. He's a, but in the press conference, he's going to say, you know, I just ran out of runway. He's a quarter. <laughs> I needed. 
I just needed a <laughs> couple more games. He's a quarterbacks coach that's actually on the team, kind of the same way the the Seahawks used um what was that guy Austin Davis or whatever. I think um, that's so and, such a dumb thing in the sport. And so, so he's quarter- like McNown that sucks. But he's also like 27. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's Josh McCown that sucks. All he's, right, good to know. he's young. He's young uh, <laughs> too. So I don't know if he'll stick around in the NFL or if someone will give him what he should have, which is like a coaching job. I, I don't know what's going on there. It's the Tim Boyle story is a, it has many layers and I, I would love, I would love to, to, to go. Um, and it has Dan so Cam- many layers. After, after the game, you know what Dan Campbell said? He said, I'm encouraged, not discouraged, by the way, Tim Boyle's playing. Oh, okay, that, make, that makes one of us, buddy. If, you're, if your expectations are low enough, then anything can be encouraging. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what, what, what the hell's going on. Anyway, I just wanted to make sure I got that in there because it's Tim, the Tim Boyle story is, is quite amazing and, and incredible and just shows, you know, anyone can make it uh, fail When does he get his Kurt Warner movie? Right <laughs> uh, hopefully he wins the Super Bowl and his wife gets a flat top. Anyway, um, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's let's go ahead and move on to the Arizona Cardinals, uh, a team that is all over the place on a week to week basis. They started off the season super hot, couldn't be beat. Then they lost by twenty four to the Panthers. Uh, then they backed that up with a win against us. They beat the Bears. They lose to the Lo- they lose to the Rams. They lose by eighteen to the Lions, the teams we just faced. Lose to the Colts. Then last week, everyone's kind of thinking, "Okay, Cardinals are done." No, they beat the Cowboys, giving themselves a chance at the number one seed. I don't know what to think of this Cardinals team. They're very weird. Um, I I don't know if I want to win or lose or not. I I hate Jets fans, so like I want to win, but at this point, we have nothing to play for. I I don't. I don't know if I really want it matters to me. Hey, I want breaks the tie. I want to win. I want I love no, to poop in their soup. I want no injuries the most. That's yes. honestly what I want because this field is cursed. We've seen terrible, horrific injuries on this Arizona Cardinals field time after time for the Seahawks. The biggest thing I want to do is get out of there without any serious injuries that are going to like cloud over our offseason. I don't want to hear all offseason about how Rashad Penny's working on his uh, latest MCL tear, you know, or something like yuck. that. That's yuck, that's yuck. my that's my biggest goal with the Cardinals. You saying um, that out loud makes me feel so uncomfortable right now. The Cardinals offense has not been the same without Hopkins. It's just not it's not as good, which is crazy because they have a lot of wide receiver talent on their roster. AJ Green have a Christian, lot of coaching talent. AJ Green Christian Christian Kirk and Rondale Moore, like most coaches would be fine with that as their top three wide receivers. They'd probably think it's uh it's solid, but uh, nope, that's uh, that's not the case. And their, their defense is actually the, I think the, the more kind of dangerous part of this team, a little soft in the, in the secondary uh, at, at corner, but the, the front seven is pretty incredible. Uh, Zach Allen their Chandler pass Jones, rush is I, really good. Isaiah Simmons, Jordan Hicks, Marcus golden. Like that's a, that's a good like uh, guys up front kind of thing they got going on there uh yeah i'm not as scared as the guys in the back so maybe we and honestly i do feel like this is kind of team where if you can get simmons going the wrong way uh you can you can kind of take advantage of them in the run game but you got to kind of misdirect him because if he if he knows what to do he's too good of an athlete you can't you got to kind of you got to kind of trick him uh, a little bit because he's he's really he's a he's a weapon he's uh he's really really good but uh he's you can you can kind of you can kind of get him going the wrong way, and uh, that that's how you take advantage of him, in my opinion. So, I expect this game to be close. Um, but these these teams are not as far apart as I think most people probably would think based on the record. Uh, but I do think that 
the Cardinals have a more of a reason to, to try to win than we do. So I expect them to, to do so. I'm going to go, I'm just going to pick and then let you yeah, guys talk it. about the game in general. Um, Cardinals, I don't know, the 21, no, no, more than that, 24, 23. All right, Kevin, what do you think about this Cardinals Seahawks game? All right, I think um, Daryl Daryl Daniels revenge game. I got I I knew it. I knew you were going to say that. You <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> definitely threw me off with that one, big jerk. Um, all right, so the Arizona Cardinals have been in uh, kind of a late season collapse here. They lost to the Rams. They lost to the Lions by eighteen. Yeah, that's so weird. I don't know what to do with that information piece of information. They lost to the Colts and then they squeaked past the Cowboys. So they're really kind of backing into the end of the season. And honestly, this is a Cliff Kingsbury special. His teams always collapse at the end of the season because he's a terrible coach who can't make adjustments. Um, but, you know, that's what happens when you make the forward thinking move of hiring a college coach with a losing record who got fired by his college team. Uh, so I think they're going to lose this game. But he coached Patrick Mahomes, better. Kevin. He coached that's, Patrick Mahomes. That's uh, why. Coached is a strong word. <laughs> He was the coach while Patrick Mahomes was there. Yeah, I feel um, like Mahomes did not develop that much. They had he had to set out a whole season to get re- to get ready, basically. Yeah. Uh, well, and there was so little to work with. Clearly, that guy doesn't have any natural talent. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I think it's going to come down to if we. Uh, so I think getting Sidney Jones back would be really big here um, because they stubbornly refuse to use their wide receivers in clever ways. And so we can dictate the cornerback matchup. I re- okay, so, wait, stop. I honestly thought you were going to say they we stubbornly. I thought you said we. So the so you said we stubbornly refuse to use our wide receivers. And I thought is he going to say use our wide receivers as cornerbacks? Because that is so cool. That would be really cool. No. <laughs> if Kevin um, said it, I believe D- it. DK and press very, coverage. Very, oh, dude, that would be scary. <laughs> Could you imagine that dude coming down on run cut? Co- oh man. Anyway, um, but I I think that that's going to really hold back their offense. If our run defense can continue to be good, which Brooks has been elite, I think Barton can be really solid in run coverage if he ends up playing for Bobby, which looks like it'll be the case. Um, I think we can hold them to somewhere around 20 points. So the question is, can we put together a quick strike offense in the passing game? And can we run the ball effectively against them? And if we can run the ball, I think that we can really sit in the driver's seat of this game. So I'm going to take Seahawks 24, Cardinals 21. All wow, right. very close scores. Eric, close ends. us down with a deep dive on the Daryl Daniels revenge game. The Daryl Daniels <laughs> revenge game. So as a okay, person, no, sorry, Eric sorry. would first like to know who Daryl Daniels is. Adrian, Adrian Peterson revenge game for us because he used to play for the Cardinals. Oh, Go. he He's did coach for like Penny so good. four games. Dude, wow. they're they definitely he he's the co- he's he's the guy we have the coach on the team. They literally brought him in to like be Penny's coach, and also Peter I think I honestly think they wanted to slam him into the line on the one yard line like for touchdowns because I don't think they think that's Penny's game. They were like, oh, a a d yeah, just just slam him in there. On well, the from the one time we did it with Adrian Peterson, it doesn't appear to be his game this year either. <laughs> so. Nothing's his game. He's so <laughs> old. Oh yeah, now he's on IR. So. uh Really quick, I guess the only things we didn't really hit is Kyler Murray, super stellar young quarterback, learning things, uses his legs a lot. His legs are broken for the rest of the year unless he can somehow get them back in the playoffs. So he's become more of a pocket passer, a rollout passer without the threat of the run. 
Um, that kind of helps us and goes in our favor. I don't think we're going to win this game. Something about going three and three in the division this year sounds about right. If you don't do 42 to nothing again, I'm going to be so mad. I thought about doing 42 to nothing, but <laughs> the Seahawks put together such a convincing game. Although there was one point where I was like, oh, here come the Lions. Here come the Lions. They're going to get to 42 points and beat the Seahawks. I can't wait. Um, but I. I look at Bro, the when they we came out so flat in the second half of that game like yeah I, I, oh, I mean, like, what do you expect we, well we were just killing them in all aspects of the game and I'm like man this game is gonna get ugly like it, it, but then they we came out flat and they just started actually look kind of good and then the Seahawks were like wait this is three the, three quarters the of the way Lions. into the third quarter they were like let's wake up now okay, yeah guys. so the the Cardinals defense is uh you know what can you what can you say that hasn't been said they've got a, a decent pass rush the ghost of JJ Watt is strong with that team uh, their cornerbacks are above decent, especially for the, how the Seahawks have played earlier in the year. I think that that's going to give them fits this time because that's one thing that Lockett and Metcalf have been doing the past couple weeks. I'm going to write down above decent. That's such a backhanded compliment. It's such a backhanded compliment, <laughs> Kevin. Absolutely. Um, I have this game going to the Cardinals by a score of 24 to 20. All right. Eric Ronnebeck, the subtle assassin of compliments. Thank you. There are many ways to support the CX Next podcast. The best way to do so, head over to only12s.com for as little as $1.24 a month. Get get access to the Patreon podcast. Get access to the Discord. Hey, something I noticed. A lot of your guys' credit cards expired when the, when the new year started. <laughs> so double check because there's like 17 of you or 18 of you or something. That, Public uh, service like, announcement. Your phone public. bill also might not get paid. Come on. Yeah, I was going to say, you, anything you got auto pay on, you better check that stuff. Uh, so, yeah, thank you guys for supporting the show. It's uh, it's, it's a lot, been a lot of fun in the Discord. Uh, thanks to the current current patrons, because if you're, you're if I'm not saying your name anymore, your credit card expired. Andy, <laughs> Brett, Flocktimus, Keith, Greta, James, Carrie, Lucas, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Emmanuel, Astro. Bob, Casey, Daniel, David, Foles, Jay, Leon, Michael, Michelle, Mike and Mike, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, Nick, and big shout out to Demetrius who gave us a five-star review on iTunes. That was really great. I hope everyone read it. It's like 4,000 words. So, uh, you know, print it out and then uh, take it to your next trip to the bathroom because it's, That's it's right, a novel. The author. Right, that's a novel. <laughs> but, but I'm serious. That guy's that guy's a good writer. Like Demetrius, yeah. you're the man. Okay, okay, all Richard right. Stories. So, um, yeah, and poems too. So, yeah. okay, we got we got um we got a uh, 2022 just starting, and so I want to do the uh, our 2022 hype list, but I want to do it with a little little twist. Okay, we're gonna put a little twist on it. Okay, there are three categories of movies, and you're gonna we're each gonna pick one that we that fits into this category. Okay, so this is um there's three categories, and you're gonna pick. So one, it's the blue chip. This movie has to be something that we all agree is guaranteed to make over $100 million. It's a blue chip. It's, it's making a ton of money. This is the blue chip you're most excited about, all right? We're each going to pick one of those. We've got to pick different. So if someone takes your blue chip, you can mention that, that you would you, someone stole your answer. But, uh, you know, like Eric's going to take the Batman from all of us. But the, Thank you. But, the, but, uh, but, but like we'll all mention that we also want to see that. But, of course, um, you know, you get a blue chip. Okay, the second one, the second one is, uh, is your sleeper. Okay, this is your sleeper. This is a movie that maybe people are, are sleeping on. They haven't heard about it. They're not talking about it as much as they should. Okay, it's just a little bit. It's, it's a little sleeper. Okay, and the last movie, this is the wild card. Okay, it's a weird movie, man. It's like a movie that like maybe it'll be good, maybe it won't. I don't know, but I'm excited about it. I want to see it. Okay, this is this movie is just it's it's for whatever reason it's your wild card. You know. Okay, so let's start it off with the let's start off with the blue chips, Eric. And Eric, we all know what you're gonna say. So hit us hit us with your blue chip. Tell us about why you're so excited to see the Batman. 
I'm excited for the Batman because I love Batman movies. I mean, it took a psychedelic movie, a panic-inducing movie. <laughs> there you go. The, when Ben Affleck was cast as uh, Fat Man, I was Fat like, Fleck. oh, I don't like this, but I bet it's going to be good. And it took that movie to get me out of Batman movies. But no more. Our Pats himself, Twilight himself is playing Batmans. Uh, they were having problems beefing him up for the role. They did not bring Phil Haynes in. If you look at any still shots of Bruce Wayne without his <laughs> shirt on, he did not beef up for this role. He just got chiseled in his chest. It doesn't matter. Somehow they got, they're granting my wish of a young Batman, not yet in his prime, but slowly approaching it. Uh, first year villains. This is year two of Batman. And uh, I know some spoilers and some surprises. Oh, Ooh, I can't wait. Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman is going to be great. I have a question for you, Eric. Paul Dano is anything? Isn't it crazy that it took until the year of our Lord 2022 for us to get a Riddler that isn't a cartoonish idiot? That's. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty funny. The the best Riddler have been in the cartoons. It's finally the Riddler is actually going to be the smartest person like he's supposed to be, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's actually going to be a, a genius. He's not going to be building underground raceways to uh that's a batman video game reference for for the the nerds out there but like seriously everything they have the riddler do in prior to this in batman media is usually like cartoonishly dumb it's it's stupid this looks amazing i agree eric yeah i can't Uh, wait for it all right kevin give me your blue give me your blue chip all right uh my blue chip uh i'm gonna go with a movie that i've been hyped out for a couple of years on and i can't wait for it to come out this summer and that is jordan peele's newest project Nope. That's the name of the movie. Nope. Uh, it's another Daniel Kaluuya uh, movie. Uh, Kiki Palmer, Steven Yen's in there. It's um, very so I was thinking about using it. I, I was thinking using that in the sleeper category because all that's out is a poster. <laughs> like yeah, we have the, no information. Both made over two hundred and fifty million. So I'm yeah. gonna say the I'm at I'm at opening weekend, but yes, all right. That, oh, okay. Which I don't think it will make a hundred million. So. Uh, opening weekend but you know what i'm gonna give it to you i don't care i'm uh i'm into it i love that movie looks super good yep um i don't need to know anything about it i'd be radio silence on it anyway i could not be more hyped uh yeah well there's a movie that i think's even more better than either of your movies i'm more hyped for it than either of those movies and that is of course spider-man across the spider-verse october 7th 2022 you know yes. what i'll be doing uh, this is going to be the movie of the of the year. Um, it Sp- Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse was um, the last movie I've given five stars to. I love it so much. Um, it's so, so good. And Might so, be the best uh, superhero movie ever. It's my favorite superhero movie ever. So really across, the Sp- across the Spider-Verse, I'm so hyped for it. I'm so ready. The trailer was great. Um, just, just hook that stuff right into my veins. <laughs> I'm ready. All right. Uh, Eric, what's your sleeper? Laugh. Laugh away, Kevin. Laugh all you want, Nathan. I don't care. My sleeper pick for a movie that I'm going to tremendously enjoy when it comes out. Not going to see it in theaters. Sonic 2. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because Sonic 1 was so fine. I enjoyed it so much. I was expecting it to be terrible. I said, let's turn this on for five minutes and turn it off. I enjoyed the whole movie. So when I saw Sonic 2, I was like, oh, of course they're going to make a sequel. They'll probably screw it up. I saw the previews and I was like, man, I don't care what anybody says. This looks they're, great. They're really le- <laughs> The thing I like about the Sonic 2 trailer is they're like leaning into. So the first movie, they're Everything. like kind of like they're kind of like Trojan horsing a Sonic movie into you. Right. Like it's like not really it's that that Sonic E. 
it's it's like got sonic stuff for the fans but it's like you know hey here's a little bit of sonic guys yeah he's and like this movie in the is, beginning of the movie this movie's yeah. like hey we're gonna do some sonic stuff it's more sonic and like oh man i, I don't know it looks goofy yeah I'm, okay all right eric you're gonna hate me for this one you ready yes my, my movie my sleeper black adam oh okay uh the shazam sequel starring dwayne the rock johnson the shazam spinoff it's i mean it's a spinoff slash slash sequel yeah but i'm i'm a, i'm really excited about black adam i think it's going to be good i they put it right in the heart of summer for a reason i think that if if it was bad it would be in august so yeah, i'm i'm actually excited for that one too so that's what i'm going to pick right there all right kevin what's your sleeper all right so um i don't know if this will count as a sleeper you guys have to let me know if it counts um the unbearable weight of massive talent okay uh, this is a Nicolas Cage movie in which he plays nice. Nicolas Cage. Yes. Um, he's offered $1 million to attend a super fan's birthday party. And uh, that super fan's played by Pedro Pascal. Um, if Pedro Pascal wants to spend the rest of his career playing eccentric billionaires, I'm in. <laughs> I, I'm down for that 100%. I like Patrick this Harris is going to be in this movie. Um, this whole thing is very odd and very delightful. And they did release um, kind of a teaser trailer and it looks completely self-aware and weird. And I, See, I'm, this I'm is the in. kind of, this is the kind of movie I thought you would pick for, you would pick in the wild card category. <laughs> so, so far, so far you're just, you're just miss, missing for me. the categories this the, completely. This is the being John Malkovich of this generation. Yeah. But yeah. it does look, but I agree, Kevin, this movie does look awesome. All right. Uh, let's, let's hit, let's hit wild cards. Eric, what's your wild card? Okay, so Wild Card is a movie that a lot of people are kind of excited about, but I don't... Or like, you just don't know. It it could be really good or it could be really bad. Like, could be anything. The masses don't know too much about it. Could even be a boat. (laughs) It could (laughs) even be a boat. Uh, The Northman. Or The Northman is... Oh, this is my Wild Card movie. This was my Wild Card movie, too. Now I got to pivot. Okay, but let's let's talk about The Northman. Yeah, so this is a uh, a revenge movie, which we all love revenge movies. Um, and it takes place, uh, I, I guess in the 10th century, I think it's gotta be, it's gotta be around that time. Um, it's got Anya Taylor joy, Alexander Skarsgård, who I know he's done a lot of things that a lot of people have probably seen. I know him as the, the coolest vampire in the TV show, true blood from like 10 years ago that only, uh, that no one who listens to our podcast watched and, uh, they'll make fun of me for that. Also willing to foes in this guys. Do you know Bjork is in this? Bjork, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Bjork movie. Ethan Hawke. Uh, Viking Hawks. The Viking Vikings greatest uh export to this point. Uh, yeah. Bjork. It's uh, uh it's very exciting stuff and I I'm just so excited for this movie. I'm trying to not watch any more trailer trailers than the one I've seen. So yeah. here's here's why I put this as my as my uh as my wild card is because it's Robert Eggers. Yep. And like Robert Eggers is like such a a mixed bag for me so far. I loved the Vivich. Uh, I thought it was really cool, um, but it was pretty slow. And then the lighthouse felt like he like leaned into the parts of the things he was doing that I didn't like. And this movie looks like he's leaning into the things I do like, but it could be a trap. And so, I didn't, think, <laughs> I didn't think you guys would have this for your movie at all because of that. Because I know I really like the Vivich. I liked the lighthouse. Didn't really like it, but I liked it. I and you guys are like so Man. far up its own butt. Um, but the yeah. thing is, I think Robert Eggers is a really good director. He does all the technical stuff well. It's his script writing that I question, and so far he like has he co- hit. He co-wrote the script with someone else, though. He co-wrote yeah. this. This is his first, uh, his cur- first uh, co co-written um, uh, script. So that could that could be something that 
that helps quite a bit. I don't know. We'll see. I, I, it's definitely it definitely deserves to be in this wild card category. I think yes. this is the perfect perfect place for it. All right, Kevin, what's your uh, what's your? Wild? Oh, I, thought, I thought it was your wild card next, or do you need? Time oh no, to you go it? ahead. Go ahead. All right. Well, because I have three. So. I have I have I have one that I can do no matter what. So go ahead. Okay. So um, I just want everyone out there to know that Guillermo del Toro is doing a stop motion Pinocchio movie mm, that is set in it. Mussolini's fascist Italy. That's a wild because card. he's Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> of course he is. And so uh, and Christopher Waltz, Tilda Swinton, and Ewan McGregor are all part of it, along with Ron Perlman and Kate Blanchett. Is Tilda Swinton playing Pinocchio? Um, does it matter? It, I know because you know she is. You I know, know Gregory Mann is. is, but I twist, but, twist but is still, coming. It's it's delightful that this is even a thing that's going to happen. And so Guillermo del Toro getting money to do weird stuff is one of my favorite things in Hollywood. Um, another one is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, I have no idea if this is going to be good, but Michelle Yeoh, um, who's like one of the greatest female martial arts actresses of all time. Um, is playing a Chinese immigrant who's stuck in a multiverse situation where she has to go through the infinite possibilities of her own life in order to uh, save the universe. That's really weird. I would definitely pay money to see that. And then the last one is Park Chan-wook is doing a movie called Decision to Leave. And anytime Park Chan-wook wants to make a movie, um, you'll know him as the director of Old Boy. Uh, that immediately gets my attention. Um, all right, I'm doing a 2022 film that I know very little about, less about than any of the movies you guys have mentioned, uh, because it is a, all I know is that it is a period drama set during Golden Age Hollywood, starring Brad Pitt and Margot oh, Robbie. It's based on hmm. real people. Yeah, the things that happen, things I'm not even interested in, to be honest with you. Like this is why it's surprising, probably Kevin. But I just really am a sucker for Damien Chazelle. The guy when he writes the movie, he really knows how to write a story Fact. and put a story together. Whiplash and La La Land are two of my favorite movies of the last ten years. And I think um, Babylon, since he has writing and directing, I'm uh yeah, I'm in. If he's if he's not writing, uh, I'm more likely to. Like First Man, isn't he? He did not write First Man, and uh, <laughs> I did not think it was as good. Is as, this a prequel um, to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Was, I we don't know any. Literally, we know it that can't be, but I it's based on real ask. people. Like Margot Robbie's, Robbie is playing Clara Bow, Bo, and uh, like there's other uh, people. Samara Weaving and Margot Robbie are in the same movie, which I don't know what's going to happen oh. because I've never seen them in the same room before. So I've kept my theory alive you've been on this since the beginning yeah that that that, that they're same person but apparently not apparently they will be in the same room at the same time which is going to be weird for me and uh yeah that's it so all right for eric for kevin uh tell us what movies in the discord you're excited about for 2022 and we will see you next week go hawks